RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Well, when I was getting the show ready today, the question was an open one. Was Kevin McCarthy going to keep his job? Well, we now know the answer to that question, and it's no. Matt Gates has come through. The show has begun. Hit refresh. Yo. The speaker chair has been vacated in a historic move. As far as I know, this is the only this is the first time it's happened in history. Watching watching those debates was just hilarious. The level of cognitive dissonance among the Republicans in Congress. My God. I don't know if they're just full of it. I don't know if they're bought and paid for or if they really believe that Kevin McCarthy did a good job. Well, hopefully they're going to pick somebody who will now. All right, so without further ado, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we will be right back after this. So did you guys know that one of the leading reasons your skin begins to sag and form wrinkles, it's not necessarily because you're getting old, but it is because your body is missing out on essential collagen. You see, as we get older, we produce 10% less collagen every decade past the age of 30. And that right there is a major reason behind those pesky wrinkles. Now, this is why myself, along with tens of thousands of other people, have turned to this cutting edge new substance to help reduce the visible signs of aging. Because it uses the top five most researched types of collagen, which are essential for your skin's health to support skin elasticity and skin hydration. And the best part is you're going to love it because you're going to get 53% off for the rest of the month or until they sell out, whichever comes first. So get yours today by going to my special link, healthwithredpill.com. Once again, that's healthwithredpill.com. You won't regret it. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. See, as you can see... Well, it wasn't time to play that yet, (laughs) but check it out. Kevin McCarthy is gone. Vacate the chair, baby. We need to get some real leadership in there. Somebody who's going to understand how to handle the powers inherent in that legislative body. Kevin McCarthy just wasn't it, unfortunately. As always, my name is Zach Payne. Thank you very much for joining us. Sincerely appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. If you wouldn't mind, please hit that like button. Please help me out by sharing the show. 
Not sure exactly if Rumble sent the notifications out or not, but man, we have a lot to discuss today. This ongoing saga, the soap opera that is Congress, that's definitely going to be one of the first things we talk about. But before we get into that, I want to just say one more time how much I love this baby, this little baby bring in the game every single time she knows what's up. She knows exactly what's happening in Congress. And uh, obviously it ain't Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy had an opportunity and he blew it. All right. We gave him the uh, the job. He told us what he was going to do with it. And then he went and did the exact opposite. There's nothing wrong with what Matt Gates did. There's a reason that Kevin McCarthy agreed to those rules. And uh, here we are. This is where we find ourselves today. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about this January 6th case right here. This man, Samuel Lazar. Uh, There was some interesting buffoonery that was happening behind the scenes. The DOJ was a little secretive uh, with the sentencing, I guess, agreement that they came up with. Turns out that Sam Lazar was a Fed. So he's the one who served 30 months in prison and who was reportedly working along with the feds in their investigation. So his record ended up being sealed by the government for several months after he was sentenced, but his court record was just unsealed earlier this week. We now have video that's been posted online uh, following January 6th with Samuel Lazar and his female companion uh, talking uh A little bit of smack, uh, just a few blocks from the U.S. Capitol. This is him right there. He is a Pennsylvania man. He pled guilty. He received this prison sentence for attacking police during the U.S. Capitol uh, endeavor that took place on January 6th. Now, this court filing has been revealed, and it tells us exactly why the government was trying to hide it, because he cooperated with federal authorities. Now, isn't it interesting that Samuel Lazar cooperated with authorities, but if you go back to January 6th, he was a loudmouth jerk on the day of. Uh, Prosecutors wanted to keep the details of his cooperation secret, uh, but now they've been forced to acknowledge that he supplied the government with information as part of his guilty plea. Now, publicly revealing that information that Lazar uh, has given to the government apparently could interfere with ongoing investigations. That's according to some other court documents that were filed by prosecutors and then, of course, Lazar's attorney. But I would imagine that Sam doesn't want people to know that he was an informant uh, giving information about people from January 6th. I wonder just how good that information is. Anybody who was at the Capitol on January 6th, if you're in a position to be informing on other people, then you're probably not really a patriot. So this filing, which is dated from this past Friday but was docketed on Monday, says that Lazar named individuals responsible for criminal conduct who may not have been charged. Maybe those people who have not been charged are actually also federal informants. More than 1,100 people up until this point have been charged with crimes related to what happened on January 6th. Hundreds of them have pled guilty. It's pretty rare for records of a guilty plea like this and a sentence to be sealed. So when people saw that that was taking place, it kind of gave you a little bit of a clue that maybe something else was happening behind the scenes. Even in cases where defendants are cooperating, quite often the government is going to give that information freely. Uh, They don't care if people find out that you are cooperating with the government. So it begs the question, 
What information specifically did Sam Lazar give to the federal government? Uh, These are all supposed to be open to the public. This is a a public document, public record, unless there is a compelling need for secrecy. And considering the fact that the government believed there was a compelling need for secrecy, I have to believe that Samuel Lazar did some pretty heinous things uh, and probably tried to give up names of anybody that he knew that was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He's from Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Uh, He was released from federal custody on September 13th after he served his full 30-month prison sentence. Uh, The cooperation he gave the government was discussed at a sentencing hearing in March of 2023. That was just recently closed to the public. Now, uh, the January 6th prisoners that the Gateway Pundit is familiar with are seeking information from the guys who are still inside to see if they know anything about Sam Lazar and the type of information that he might have uh, given up. Now, there is one January 6th defendant who does know something. He wants to remain anonymous. He said people are thinking too much into this right now uh, until actual unredacted transcripts come out if they do. The headlines of the article says he ratted on January 6th people, but the body of the article has no actual information as to who or what was said. Now, if he was going to give actual info, he'd have to take the stand against someone and they wouldn't have released him. They kept they keep you locked up until you testify. Wait and see what concrete information comes out, even if it does. So I suppose that's a rather level headed bit of information to have there. Now, you know who else was in court earlier was uh, the one and only Hunter Biden. He arrived at a federal courthouse for his arraignment on felony gun charges. And wouldn't you know it, he pled not guilty. Uh, after a 25-minute discussion, Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, entered the plea on his behalf. She said that the defense would be making a number of motions in this case that the president's son had months ago hoped to put behind him, including on the constitutionality of the charge Related to the purchase of his handgun, can you believe it? They're going to go for a constitutional violation. Uh, Lowell also said to expect a request for an evidentiary hearing ahead of the November 3rd motions deadline set by the judge. How interesting and ironic would it be if Hunter Biden's case ended up setting precedent, uh, judicial precedent? calling into question the constitutional legalities of that question when you're purchasing a gun, you know, asking if you're under the influence of drugs, if you're a known drug user, if if you're addicted to drugs. If Hunter Biden's case is successfully able to challenge that one question and then gets it removed from federal gun uh, uh, purchasing agreements, that would be pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not saying that I want drug addicts to be able to purchase guns, but I mean, it is the Second Amendment. And just because somebody is using drugs doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do something bad. It's a really kind of sticky gray area. But he showed up earlier today for court in Delaware, and uh, he, of course, had all of his lawyers with him. The question that I'm wondering is who is paying for all of Hunter Biden's fees. To the best of my knowledge, he I think he argued a couple of months ago at his child support hearing that he's not even working. He's not actually bringing in any money. Uh, but uh, two of the counts carry a maximum prison sentence of 10 years, while the third has a maximum of five years. I don't know if they would try to run those concurrently or if they would stack them if he is actually convicted on them. Um, so and would that be? 
two individual counts of 10 years apiece and another of five? Or would they just do them all at the same time and then he'd probably be eligible for parole in seven? I don't think he's actually going to end up in prison, but let's just try to think about it as if Hunter Biden was a normal average American. Uh, Truth 311944 says, Zach, I've been listening to you for several years on Apple Podcasts. This is my very first live. I appreciate you and all you do. Thank you and God bless. Mel in Texas. Mel, thank you so much. I'm glad to see you here. Uh, That's great. You know, I I don't ever hear from people who listen to the audio only podcast. And I suppose this has got to be a very different experience being able to see me on screen and being able to see all the stuff that I've got going on there. Anyway, yeah, put breathalyzers on guns. Problem solved. It won't solve the problem if they've been smoking crack rocks like Hunter Biden. So I don't know. That one is uh, is a little bit more difficult. Perhaps they could have like a heart rate monitor. Well, no, I mean, your heart is going to be elevated if somebody's breaking into your house. So I don't know. There's really no good answers to that question. Um, I would say if, man, what if people had to take a drug test? Nah, I suppose that's uh, that's a little bit invasive as well, too. All right. So I just want to show you guys the footage of Hunter actually entering the courtroom. Let's take a look. Wow, he's looking more and more like his dad every day, isn't he? He's hardly got any hair left. All right. So. Tucker Carlson recently gave a commencement speech at uh, – well, not a commencement speech, but a keynote speech rather at this event called the Intercollegiate Studies Institute uh, 70th Anniversary Gala. There's been this meme going around recently of women asking their husbands or their boyfriends how often they think about the Roman Empire. And I suppose that the insinuation is that there's somehow this like patriarchal and racist uh, insinuation uh, if if men are thinking about the Roman Empire. But that's that's absolutely not it. As a man, as somebody who has frequently invoked the memory of the Roman Empire, it's more about the last days of the Roman Empire. It's about the fall of the Roman Empire. That's the type of world that we find ourselves living in right now, where all of these various societal norms, all of these mores, the, the ethics of individuals, they're all breaking down because we are systematically breaking down these social institutions that have held us together as a society for hundreds of years at this point. They've destroyed the family. They've destroyed your ability to provide for your family. They have destroyed your safety, your security. They have destroyed your borders. They have taken away your right to choose your elected representatives. I don't know how long it's been like that, but I can tell you it's basically the entirety of my life. And uh, one of the reasons I think about the Roman Empire is because it feels like we are living in the last days of the Roman Empire, because at the time of the fall of the Roman Empire, they too were engaging in debaucherous and lewd behavior. They too were breaking down their societal structures, and they were also spreading themselves rather thin. What's happening right now, we've got troops in a number of areas around the world, but primarily we are focusing our military efforts on the country of Ukraine, a country that really has nothing to do with the people of the United States other than the fact that the current resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has a lot of corrupt business interest in that country. So it feels like we are living in the same sort of phase that brought about the end of the Roman Empire. Now, Tucker Carlson invoked something similar 
but just a little bit different. Now, Rome fell gradually over time. It lost its grip on power because it spread itself too thin and the people that were running it were just corrupt. Now, Tucker Carlson invoked the Russian Revolution of 1917. This was this was a civil war in Russia that killed some 10 million people, <clears throat> and it led to a totalitarian state of communism in Russia. Uh, this was when the people rose up and killed their leaders uh, and then installed this communist fascist sort of government uh, because they had this belief that communism was going to bring about an egalitarian society. Little did they know it was just going to be a different form of authoritarian control. So during this speech, uh, Tucker Carlson drew some parallels between modern-day America and the 1917 Russian Revolution, so between Russia of 1917 and the United States of today. Uh, So he was speaking to this gathering of conservative academics, uh, and uh, I got to say, you know, I I feel like Tucker Carlson has really come into his own. I know that some people just still don't trust him. They never will, but I feel like he's done great work since he left Fox News, and he really has woken up in a way that— He just hadn't several years ago. Uh, So let's go ahead and uh, watch this clip of Tucker describing these uh, similarities. It's about five minutes. We're not going to listen to the whole thing, but I just want you to get a flavor for it. I recommend to everyone in this room of Peter Rangel, who was the leader of the revolutionary white forces during the Russian Revolution, um, the Civil War, rather, that came after the revolution. And he was a Baltic German living in Russia and a, a general worked for the czar. The war ends or Russia ceases its hostilities with Germany. He comes back to, to St. Petersburg. And the country's in complete chaos. And the Bolsheviks have decided that, you know, it's, the, it's discontent within the army that we need to inflame. So just thinking about America today, it's the Bolsheviks that are trying to destroy our republic. Our country has been thrown into chaos as a result of their actions and decision making. And it's getting to the point where the people are just getting fed up with the ineffective leadership that we have in Washington, D.C. Need to get the army. I don't know if this sounds familiar to anyone here, Uh, but get the guns and the people who wield the guns. We need them. They're also trying to take our guns. The first thing they do is destroy all discipline in the Tsar's army, complete. So Peter Rangel's just been on the front for four years. He comes back into St. Petersburg, totally civilized city, two-hour drive from Helsinki. I mean, it is Europe, okay? Whatever anyone tells you. And he's wandering through, and soldiers are going crazy in the streets. And they're raping women. They're stealing at gunpoint. Soldiers in uniform in a monarchy which had not had any behavior like this at all. And he, Peter Engel just can't even believe it. These are his soldiers. He's a general. And so he's, he's completely freaked out, and he goes into a movie theater, and everyone in the movie theater is completely absorbed in the movie. Like there's no revolution happening outside. And Peter Engel thinks these people are insane. <laughs> Look at America. Everybody is focused on, like, TikTok or Instagram or any other form of entertainment on their phone. We're paying attention to what's going on, but there is a large segment of the American population who does nothing but stare directly into the black mirror, watching whatever it is projected against the backs of their eyes, completely oblivious to the state of this nation. And that was so evident 
watching the debate on the House floor today, the Republicans in complete and utter, just complete ignorance, acting like what they've been doing has been good for the American people. I can't, I can't honestly think of a single measurable choice they've made since we took over the majority that has significantly increased the quality or the safety of my life. What about you? So he goes back. He's like, I got to get to Moscow. So he takes the train to Moscow. I have to tell the czar, this country's falling apart. He's very close to the Romanovs, the family. You should read this. It's, it's just out in English translation in the last three years. It's an unbelievable book, lost to history until recently, to English speakers. So he goes back to Moscow, and he's close to the Romanovs. And so he goes. Uh, thank you to Boozer20 who says, I thought I would send a little money before I go outside and do some yard work and enjoy this beautiful day. Appreciate all you do. Yes, thank you very much. Richard, of course, you're not a bad person for being here. <laughs> into the imperial court, and he knows all the relatives, and there are millions of them hangers on. And he notices about 80% of the women in the Romanov family are wearing red ribbons in solidarity with the Bolsheviks who wound up, of course, we know how it ends, murdering them murdering them in the basement at dawn. So, wait, what? Peter Rangel says? How is it that this country is being devoured by a violent revolution and the people who can afford movie tickets, that is kind of our middle class, are refusing even to acknowledge that it's happening and the ruling class against whom it is aimed are sympathizing with it. Same deal we have here with Nancy Pelosi taking a knee, the people in Congress wearing the Ukrainian pins or the Black Lives Matter pins, completely oblivious to what is happening to the average everyday American citizen. What is the cause du jour that we're going to support? Anything other than paying attention to our constituents. Doesn't remind you of BLM. I don't know what does. I'm reading this in my porch. Like, man, I couldn't go to sleep. I was like, wait, I live in that country. That's happening now. This is a revolution. Its aim is to hurt you. Yes, that would include physically in the end. Sorry. If someone tells you you're not allowed to speak, if someone tells you your children are not your children, okay, these are not ideological differences. This is not, oh, I prefer you know, this capital gains rate. These are totalitarian measures that treat you as non-human. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They want to take away our rights. They want to take away our power. They want to take away our ability to self-govern. We will no longer have autonomy if the Bolsheviks in Congress and the leftist radicals in America and at the World Economic Forum are allowed to subjugate us as people. We will no longer maintain any semblance of class, status, or autonomy. Anyways, uh, there is uh, about another three minutes of this speech left. I suggest you guys go ahead and watch it. Uh, you can find it on the Blazes Twitter. It's a great speech. Tucker Carlson, I think he's right on. He knows exactly what's going on. He's got his finger on the pulse of the people. Unfortunately for Kevin McCarthy, he did not have his finger on the pulse of the people. We have a new segment today that I wanted to bring you. See, as you can see, the more you f around, the more you're going to find out. And find out Kevin McCarthy did. So Matt Gates filed the motion to vacate the chair against Speaker McCarthy yesterday. And in typical fashion, the 
people behind Kevin McCarthy and Kevin McCarthy himself, they attempted to align Matt Gates with the Democrats, not with the American people who are behind this action. Kevin McCarthy uh, also was uh, a little bit defiant. Gates, uh, when he filed the motion, said declaring the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant, resolved that the Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant, meaning that Kevin McCarthy did not follow through on his promises. He did not do what he agreed to do when after 14 votes, they finally agreed to allow him to become Speaker of the House. There we go. Make America great again. Thank you very much, Paula, for donating over on Ko-Fi. If you guys want to see your name on screen and you want to see the Don dancing, you can go to Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com forward slash redpill78. And then once you're there, you can go ahead and leave a donation and then this will make its way through. So thank you very much. Kevin McCarthy says, bring it on. It's been brought. It's been brought, and Kevin McCarthy is no longer the Speaker of the House. So no matter what he said in that tweet, Kevin McCarthy knew exactly what was coming down the pipe because there was a very slim majority that allowed him to become Speaker of the House in the first place. You guys remember, you were probably all here with me. We were watching till late into the night. We saw it over and over again. We saw the look of anguish, uh, of, of, of uh, misery, of, of embarrassment on his face. All it took was five Republicans voting with the Democrats because the Democrats all said they were going to vote to vacate the chair along with Matt Gates. So there was obviously Matt Gates and four more Republicans were needed. We have a list of everyone who voted so that you know who the patriots in Congress actually are. So Kevin McCarthy had this to say. Let's go ahead and watch the clip. Oh, looks like I'm going to have to go to the actual tweet. Here we go. Expecting Democrats to back you up then? No, I, I personally am not. Do you need their help to remain in leadership? No. Um, if five if five Republicans go with Democrats, then I'm out. So it's what it's it's that whether probably so. It, it, this is a bit of a complex piece of expecting five Democrats or five Republicans rather. So <clears throat> here's what I think: Trump knew what was going to happen. I, I believe that Kevin McCarthy has always been. On his own on his own team. OK, he's not America first. He's not for the American people. We saw what he did to Jr. in the Ohio congressional race. We saw what he's done in the past to not support President Trump. President Trump knew that Kevin McCarthy would have an opportunity to do the right thing. He didn't choose to do the right thing. And instead, he continued to give Joe Biden a blank check. He continued to help the radical left Democrats break down these societal barriers and these social norms and mores and the ethics of the American people. He knew that by allowing and supporting Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy would force the American people to stand up and say, enough. I stand with Matt Gates. I'm good with Kevin McCarthy going away. All right. Uh, now the Republicans are going to have to agree on somebody who is a real Speaker of the House, somebody who will actually support the America first agenda because they're not going to be able to get anybody else through because the House Freedom Caucus, these 11 Republicans that voted with Democrats to oust Kevin McCarthy, they're not going to take another Kevin McCarthy. I don't care if voting 
on speakerships is the only thing they do till Christmas because they get nothing done anyways. Unless, of course, it has an appropriation for one of their big donors. Unless, of course, it allows them to purchase a big stock option and get paid. Freight Awakening says, poor Kevin, he'll need an extra cuddle session with Frank Luntz tonight. Yes, he will. So Matt Gates, of course, before the vote, responded to Kevin McCarthy late last night. Let's go ahead and listen to him. God, this was a great soap opera, I gotta admit. There's a deal made with Democrats. The only deal is is to make one with McCarthy because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, you, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. Because one thing I'm at peace with is when we stand here uh, a week from now, I won't own Kevin McCarthy anymore. He won't, but you won't belong to me. So if the Democrats want to adopt him, they can adopt him. Savage, take him. We don't want him. Take him because we don't want him. So long story short, the votes are in. The final vote was underway as I was preparing. I watched a fair amount of the debate going back and forth. What's really funny is that on the motion to table the vacate the chair motion, um, they put all of the votes on screen. So you could see all the yays, all the nays, all the no votes, all the presents. And it was quite clear that the motion to table was not going to pass. The debate was going to happen. Kevin McCarthy was going to be voted out. Now, when it came to the actual vote at the end of the debate, the fill-in speaker asked for the votes and the yeas, i.e. vacating Kevin McCarthy, kicking him out, they said yes, but they didn't scream yes. The nays, however, which was the Republican caucus, largely they got up and yelled. And so the the fill-in speaker tried to say that Kevin McCarthy would not be vacated. And of course, this is why we have the tally of the votes. Matt Gates requested the tally of the votes. And at the end of that tally, Kevin McCarthy was out. So we have, of course, Matt Gates from Florida voting to oust him. We have Andy Biggs. We have Tim Burchett, we have Eli Crane, we have Bob Good, Matt Rosendale, Victoria Sparts, who is the Ukrainian, Nancy Mace, Corey Mills, Warren Davidson, and Ken Buck. Now, uh, I want to show you guys a video from Tim Burchett. This is Tim explaining why he was planning to vote to oust Kevin McCarthy. Hey, everybody, Tim Burchett. Today will be a uh, vote on motion to vacate the chair, which is the speakership. And my thought process is like this. Kevin McCarthy is my friend, and I hate to lose him as a friend. But I had a choice between that and my conscience and what my conscience tells me to do. My conscience tells me that we're $33 trillion in debt. We took off the whole month of August knowing that September was going to come around. That's every year, the end of our uh, budgetary year, fiscal year. Let me ask you this. Why is it? Why is it that Congress takes off a whole month in August? I mean, I know we have a couple of teachers here in the audience, so this question isn't directed at you. You guys got an awesome job. I know it sucks. Sometimes those kids are little bastards. (laughs) It's just going to happen sometimes. But 
You get three months off in the summer. That's great. Good for you. The country doesn't stop running. Why does Congress get a whole month off? And then I think they take like another three weeks for Christmas. I mean, they get so many freaking holidays. And Joe Biden, the resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, he spent the majority of his time in office at Rehoboth Beach. Why is it? Why is it that Congress takes a whole freaking month off? I I tend to think it's so that they have to really show some some hustle when they get back. Oh, we, we've got oh, we've got all these things that we have to do. Well, you know what? You wouldn't have to hurry if it wasn't for the fact you just took four weeks off. Nobody else gets four weeks off. I don't get four weeks off. What about you guys? Anybody, anybody out there get the month of August off? I don't think so. And there is no urgency. And then we just do a continued resolution. Kick in the can 45 days down the road. And then that will be right up against the Thanksgiving holiday. And then we'll... We'll put in a, uh, an omnibus, which is a big bill, more spending, more grease, more lobbyists, and more special interest, and the big boys will stay in power. And at some point, we just got to say enough is enough, folks. Enough is enough. I hate losing Kevin as a friend, but I, I worry about losing our country in all sincerity. We are, um, we are rapidly approaching that point. And, you know, yesterday, House 4, uh, we got here, we started late. We voted to name a, a post office. And that's our urgency right now. We're at 42 days. Haven't had a meeting on the budget or anything. We have a budget committee. Jody Arrington out of Texas has a budget. He's given gave his little 10 minutes in conference, and they gave him the golf clap and sent him on his way. And nobody in leadership is talking about a budget. We are going to face financial ruin right now. Um, and I'll leave you with one thing. And I talked to Kevin the last uh, last week. The last thing he said was, I really want to be speaker. And folks, it's got to be more than, than that. We've got to save our country. And that's, that's why I'm going to vote the way I am. Come hell or high water, I realize I'll catch on all sides. And it might cost me my job. But I do honestly and all sincerity think that this country is worth it. Tim Birch, it's a good man. And he's right. It's got to be more than I just want to be Speaker of the House. Okay. now I see people asking why certain Republicans didn't vote to ouster Kevin McCarthy. Well, you know, this is Washington after all. We're talking about uh, a, a town that is based on relationships. But at the end of the day, these are the people, in my opinion, that are the true patriots. Okay. You can, dra- you can drape yourself in the American flag all you want. But if you go to Washington and you don't fight for the voters, if you don't fight for the future of your country, I don't care what you call yourself, Democrat, Democrat Republican, Independent, or whatever, you can identify as a dog, a fish, or a man or a woman, and it won't mean jack squat because you're not doing your job. These 11 men and women did their job today. They voted with their conscience to ouster Kevin McCarthy because he refused to do what was necessary to fix our broken country. Tim Burchett's right. We're not going to have anything left. I don't care how bad Kevin McCarthy wants to be Speaker of the House. We're not going to have anything left. And that's where we're headed. I, I think that's honestly where we're going. 
So they're going to go ahead and have some thinking to do, and maybe they're just going to have to skip their next holiday break. All right, we're going to take a break for the second half of the show. We'll be right back after this. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been manufactured manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas Patriot-owned lab. ESS60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, so if you guys want to see more of that baby, follow Real Red Pill 78 Girlfriend GF at Real Red Pill 78 GF on Twitter, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, repost that baby like I'm about to do right now. So you can find it on my account if you don't know where she is. Now, I actually, uh, this is something Lisa sent over to me, and it's uh, something that I meant to play, but I, it was in my notes and it didn't uh, populate early enough. But Hillary Clinton said that Kevin McCarthy did what was good for the country. Honestly, that should tell you everything you need to know about that guy. Let's take a listen. McCarthy, does he deserve to keep his job as speaker? And should Democrats help bail him out? Well, I'm going to let Hakeem Jeffries and his caucus decide that. But I was pleasantly surprised that the speaker did the right thing uh, when he made common cause with those as we like to say, grown-up members of his own uh, Republican caucus and Democrats to keep uh, the government open. I would hope that that kind of mature uh, leadership isn't punished by the most extreme members of his caucus. So how the Democrats play this, and they have a couple of different options, is for, you know, for them to decide. But uh, I think uh, McCarthy did the right thing for the country. And isn't that a good thing to be able to say? He did the right thing for the country. I don't want anything to do with anyone that Hillary Clinton says uh, was doing the right thing. You know what Hillary Clinton is meaning when she says that Kevin McCarthy did the right thing? She means that he did the right thing when he made that secret backdoor deal to send billions more to Ukraine because she is going to be on the receiving end of that billions of dollars. Does he deserve to keep his job? Remember, the Clinton Global Initiative, the Clinton Foundation— They're going to be opening up a branch in Ukraine, and she's going to be there to siphon up all of that NGO money. That's what Hillary Clinton is talking about. Fredo Awakening says, was shocked to see Boebert absent from the list considering she was one of the initial six that fought him getting in. Um, I Yeah, I, I don't know if she voted to keep him as speaker or if she voted as uh, no vote. So uh, I'm not aware, but... 
you know, I mean, Lauren Boebert, I think she's in a weakened position right now, especially after that stunt she pulled at the theater, vaping inside and groping her date. I don't know. That was a bad look. Anyways, uh, this is also uh, something that I meant to pull up earlier, but apparently Hunter Biden had uh, a nervous energy while entering the courthouse. That's according to Catherine Herridge, who, of course, was there. Uh, This is uh, an interesting clip here. I'm going to go ahead and play this. There we go. Ah, It's going to take a minute for this ad to go by. God, it's so loud. Okay. Yes, the show started 40 minutes ago. And better. Here we go. Hi, I'm oh. Curtis. <laughs> Another 30 minute, 30 second ad. God. The stream is still working, guys. So, yeah, refresh. Refresh if the stream drops. God, all I can hear is this freaking ad. Oh, there we go. I can shut it down for myself. God, that helps. Okay, almost done. Here we go. Well, Gail, good to be with you. This was an extraordinary scene that unfolded in the courthouse behind me, the son of a sitting president facing felony gun charges. Yeah, nervous energy or a couple of lines of coke? I tend to think it's a couple of lines of coke. As Hunter Biden entered the courtroom on the second floor, he passed by me. I was no more than about five feet away. And there was a sense of nervous energy, a a nervous smile, a sense of real apprehension as we headed into the proceeding. It lasted about 20 minutes. The federal judge asked the president's son if he understood the charges, the potential serious penalties, and that he had a right to remain silent. And to each, he responded with a strong and soft voice, yes, your honor. And when it came time to enter the plea, that was done by his attorney, Abby Lowell, who said Mr. Biden pleads not guilty to the three charges. Gail, the next date on the calendar is early November, and we're already getting a sense of the defense team's strategy. They indicated to the court that they will file a motion to dismiss, and they are going to question whether one of the charges is constitutional, a charge that would ban a drug user from owning and obtaining a weapon in the United States. What's striking to me is that just two months ago, Hunter Biden entered this courthouse with a degree of optimism and a lot of confidence. But as we saw that plea deal collapse and I was inside that courtroom, what we see now is that the chapter is not closing for Hunter Biden or for his family or for his father, the President Gale. Okay, so this goes back to my point that I made on so many occasions. You know, President Trump is facing, uh, you know, insurmountable odds right now. Any normal person going through what he's going through would probably have folded already. But he never wavers, right? Hunter Biden thought a couple of months ago that his legal problems were done. That was it. He wasn't going to be dealing with anything anymore. And that crumbled right before his eyes. So he enters the courthouse today and he's got a nervous energy. Well, hell yeah, he's got a nervous energy. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. And find out he is 
This tells you that the courtroom that Hunter Biden is in is not locked up. This is not a foregone conclusion that Hunter Biden is going to make his way through this system unaffected by the crimes that he's committed. These may be low-level crimes, but again, I tell you, two charges at 10 years apiece with another at five, even if one of those charges is found to be unconstitutional and he sets some ridiculous judicial uh, precedent, uh, Hunter Biden is still looking at some hard time. So we'll see what happens, but I like to I like to see Hunter Biden nervous. In the same way, I like to see Joe Biden falling apart. All right, so let's talk about President Trump because he stepped into the courtroom today for day two of his uh, bogus trial in New York, the civil trial brought by the racist and obstructionist Letitia James, Letitia Peekaboo James in the state of New York. All right, so we have a video from 2015, which shows Judge N. Gorin, who was that smiling buffoon in the courtroom the other day, bragging about how he can flip a jury verdict based on emotion. I sure hope the Trump team sees this and perhaps they can use it to get this judge off of this case. Now, it was disgraceful yesterday when he turned and looked at the camera and smiled. He was all mugging for the camera. Obviously, he doesn't like Trump. Obviously, he is a Democrat stooge. And this new video that's just been found, it should raise even more alarm bells. President Trump is uh, looking at the total destruction of his business, of his empire, that he's looking at bankruptcy. They're trying to destroy him financially because then he won't be able to run for president. He won't be able to uh, defend himself in court. So let's go ahead and take a look at this video of Judge N. Gorin talking about switching a jury. Now, I'm going to say something controversial, even though I'm being taped. Juries get it wrong a lot. That's my own opinion. I do only civil trials, personal injury cases, contract disputes. But I've had situations where like, oh, my, my heaven's sake, how could they have thought that? Well, I have, a, um, I have a tool that I can deal with that. It's called jury notwithstanding the verdict, judgment notwithstanding the verdict. I can say there is no possible way that a reasonable jury would have reached that conclusion. And, all right, am I following the law or am I making law? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following law, I'm, I'm an impartial referee, but it's hard to factor out my own emotions. And I have tools. Somebody can say, well, Your Honor, you have to throw out this case because it's just like another case. Well, is it just like another case? What if the defendant was wearing a red sweater instead of a blue sweater? Oh, and, and by the way, I worked for the Columbia Daily Spectator for a couple of weeks. What happened was I went there every day and I wrote a few stories. One I got criticized on because I wrote that some uh, Ku Klux Klaners had murdered some people, and then I was told, you can't say that. How do we know? You weren't there. Well, that was what everybody thought. Anyway, yeah, we should have absolute immunity. What if we defame somebody? Um, that's how it usually comes up. You know, you call somebody a murderer or a heroin addict, that sort of thing, a pedophile. And if it's done in court, yeah, I think we should have absolute immunity. Hmm. 
He basically wants the right to do whatever he wants. He wants the right to sway the decisions of the court based upon his own whim, his own emotion, his own feelings. You know, there's been a lot made about the fact that this is a non-jury trial. And Gorin just told us it wouldn't even matter if it was a non-jury trial. If he thought the jury got it wrong, he would just go ahead and take everything from Trump uh, at the end of the day. So Ngorin is a bad judge. Now, President Trump, on his way into the courtroom today, made some typically feisty remarks. Let's go ahead and get this pulled up. It looks like I'm going to need to force reload this page. Oh, gosh. Please tell me that it's not going to crash my computer. <laughs> He's a worm. That's right. He is a worm. Huh. Why isn't this working? Well, that's odd. Is everything else working? Okay. Let's try something different here. Let me pull it up in another browser. Let's see if I... Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. It's working over here. It's just a Twitter post. So let me get that pulled over. And uh, there we go. Okay. Uh, Why did you decide to come? You didn't have to. I don't have to because this trial is a rigged trial. It's a fraudulent trial. The attorney general is a fraud. And we have to expose her as that. Uh, you see what's going on? It's a rigged deal. What's the frankly, and frankly, uh, you saw what was just put out about Schumer and the Principal clerk, that is disgraceful. Speaker McCarthy, should he stay? It is a rigged trial. It's a fake trial. None of it was real. And thank God Angoran got it partially right. He conceded that the statute of limitations is in effect in much of what Letitia James was trying to charge President Trump with. All of the transactions that were prior to 2014, which is 80% of Letitia Peekaboo James's case, are now no longer part of the case. So President Trump and his lawyers arrived uh, and spoke to the press outside of the courtroom, and they mentioned that 80% of the case uh, was actually not serviceable. They could not include it. We, why are we trying a case that the appellate division of New York State has just ruled recently that we won 80% of our case and this judge refuses to acknowledge the ruling? This rogue judge, a Trump hater, refuses to acknowledge the fact that we won 80% of this case, including the statute of limitations. It just came out a few minutes ago from Palm Beach County. The judge valued Mar-a-Lago at $18 million and it's worth a billion dollars, maybe $1.5 billion. So, and Gorin has been forced to concede. Based on the judge's comments at the end of the trial, it would appear that he is agreeing that all the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of this case. And thank God they actually are. Now, this made Letitia James very, very angry. She left the courtroom without speaking to any press. Normally, Letitia James is a media whore. She wants to get in front of that camera. She wants to get on the gram. She wants to make a TikTok and tell the world how much she hates Donald Trump, how much she's going to get him. Coyote Patriot said, the Donald always has receipts. No worries here. <sighs> yeah, no worries here. Donald is going to be fine. America is going to be fine too, but it's going to be a rough ride. I'm not going to lie to you. 
So earlier on Monday, she left the courtroom without granting an interview after it was announced that Judge Ngorin was tossing out 80% of that case. Now, according to reporters who were there, Letitia James was too defeated to speak to the press after the judge said in his closing remarks that the statute of limitations was in effect and 80% of what she wanted to go after Trump for was uh, totally uh, unlitigatable. Uh, And uh, Trump and his attorney uh, are very happy about that. Obviously, it's going to make it a little bit easier for them to defend President Trump. Uh, It's going to uh, force Ngorin to perhaps look at this in uh, a little bit of a different manner. Now, I'm not sure exactly exactly what is going to be included in this case. So obviously, this more information is going to be coming out this week. But I can tell you this. Uh, and Gorin hit President Trump with a gag order earlier today and actually forced him or told him to remove a truth social post. But President Trump, of course, uh, is honest. He, he's uh, typically frank. He, he says exactly what he's thinking and ex- exactly what we're thinking, too. It's a rigged trial. It's a fraudulent trial. The attorney general is a fraud and we have to expose her. And the law clerk that President Trump made mention of, Allison Greenfield, she was caught posing for a photo with Senator Chuck Schumer of New York. Of course. You saw what was just put out about Schumer, he said, and the principal clerk. That is disgraceful. Obviously, the clerk, he also mentioned her yesterday when he said that clerk hates me more than the judge does. Now, this clerk that is working for Ngorin obviously has a direct like, I don't know, friendly connection with Senator Chuck Schumer. Is Chuck Schumer also directing things from behind the scenes? (laughs) Here is the post that President Trump made. Schumer's girlfriend, Allison R. Greenfield, is running this case against me. How disgraceful. This case should be dismissed immediately. Now, Ngorin issued a gag order after that post came out. Uh, He actually issued a gag order on all parties. Uh, I think that President Trump should be able to say whatever the hell he wants, all right? This is an illegitimate show trial. This is a completely rigged scenario. President Trump should be allowed to speak his piece. Judges in all of these cases up until this point have refrained from putting gag orders on him. But Judge Ngorin obviously is a very special kind of stupid. Uh, consider this a gag order on all parties with respect to posting or publicly speaking out about any member of my staff. Uh, of course, Letitia James uh, may or may not follow along with that, but I tend to believe that the only person who this is directed at is President Trump. I don't see anybody else uh, on perhaps, well, maybe maybe the legal team, President Trump's legal team should be allowed to talk about conflicts of interest such as this. Uh, And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. So President Trump now has a gag order. All right. Now, a couple of more entries in the F around and find out segment of the show. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. Remember that guy I told you about yesterday, that uh, leftist journalist in Philadelphia, uh, the activist and reporter, he's a photographer or something. Uh, It turns out he mocked conservatives who warned about the rising violence in America. Uh, That was up until the moment that he was shot dead by an intruder at his home. It turns out that that's who it was. So 
Uh, 39-year-old Josh Kruger was shot in the chest and abdomen seven times and was pronounced dead shortly after 2 a.m. He was murdered two weeks after he was threatened by a person who calls themselves Lady Diabla, the she-devil of the streets. Now, back in August, someone threw a rock through his home window, he said. Then about two weeks ago, he wrote on Facebook that someone came to his house searching for their boyfriend, a man I've never met once in my entire life. Now, remember... Uh, Josh is a gay activist, so I don't know. I don't know. Are you sure about that, Josh? Are you sure? You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that? Now, we are actually never going to know because obviously he was shot and killed. So God rest his soul. Uh, but, uh, this person calls themselves Lady Diabla, the she-devil of the streets, and, uh, she threatened him. Uh, the suspect is still at large. There was no sign of forced entry. The motive remains unclear. We don't actually know who it was, uh, but, uh, you know, it would stand to reason that it might be this woman who came to his house and actually threatened him looking for her boyfriend. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a shame. That's a, that's a real shame. Uh, hours before his violent death, Kruger went on Twitter to mock Scott Adams on social media, who specifically warned about the increasing violence in U.S. cities. Take a look at this. Scott Adams said, if Biden is elected, there's a good chance you will be dead within the year. I tend to agree with him. Uh, And then Josh Kruger says the Dilbert dude is Nostradamus. Look at this prediction from 2020. Wow, eerie. That was at 523 p.m. And then, of course, it was 1.30 a.m. when he was shot dead. (laughs) Emerald Robinson says this communist journo mocked conservatives on social media who warned about violence yesterday. Today, he's dead, shot seven times by an intruder in his home. Uh, Here are some additional posts Josh Kruger made making fun of conservatives like us who would warn about the rising tide of violence in America. Remember the fall of ancient Rome. This is one of those things. Here he is uh, discussing uh, these things on his Twitter. Look, it's that lawless land of liberals in Philly where shootings are Dropping to levels not seen in years. That's prophetic, Josh. Some idiot just said you're more likely to get shot and killed than die of COVID in Philly to make some insensitive rhetorical point for his side. Folks, four times as many Philadelphians have died of COVID than gunshots this year. I understand math is hard, but do better. Uh, Josh, you're the one who's going to have to do better. The only sad thing is you'll never get the opportunity because you were shot to death in your home. Bro, speak for your block. Mine isn't ruined. You sure about that? The city isn't ruined. And just because Larry Krasner keeps winning in landslides doesn't mean Philly is a heap of cinders and ashes. No matter how much people say, like the rest of the country, we are dealing with upticks in crime. That is a sad, sad thing. Here is some more instances. Now that I'm no longer in government, I can finally say publicly it's not wrong to punch Nazis. Ooh. Uh, You don't know how to properly read reports. Black offenders count for 14% of white victims. Meanwhile, white offenders account for 57% of white victims. I'm assuming you are acting in bad faith, much like white supremacists do. You might not be a Nazi, but you argue as they do. This is a breakdown of uh, racial offenders based upon uh, criminal acts. Uh, There is no such thing as ethical consumption in an inherently exploitative capitalist society. So he's also a communist. Uh, Well, was a communist. 
Here he is. You know what else does nothing? The shootings unit. Oh. You sure about that? Because that's who's going to be looking for your murderer, Josh. They catch a mere one in five shooters. Maybe that's because you wanted to defund the police. Let's add homicide detectives, too, who only catch one in three murders. If you want to talk about doing nothing, those are the facts. Well, uh, maybe that also has something to do with leftist activist policies like the kind you espoused when you were alive. Sick burn. All right. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Oh, and then we have another another example of. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. And this guy in New York City did, Ryan Carson. He was a 32-year-old social justice and climate change activist. He also effed around and find out. And uh, this time he was stabbed to death uh, in an unhinged attack near a New York City bus stop while his girlfriend, who, you know, probably is also a social justice activist, uh, stood by and watched in horror in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. He was stabbed multiple times in the chest around 4 a.m. at Lafayette Avenue and Malcolm X Boulevard. He was with his girlfriend. They were waiting at a bus stop after leaving a wedding. The suspect, who was acting erratically, approached Carson and said, what are you looking at before launching the fatal attack? So Carson was pronounced dead at Kings County Hospital. And as of now, the suspect remains at large, probably because the police department was defunded thanks to the efforts of morons like this. According to The New York Post, Carson was an activist focused on sustainability and environmental policies. He was also a published poet. He had once written a poem called Anxiety about fears over his own death. God, I'd like to read that right now. In the wake of his death, friends and acquaintances flooded social media platforms with tributes. New York Democrat State Assembly member Emily Gallagher expressed her condolences in a message shared on platform X. I am devastated to share that my dear friend Ryan Carson, who worked for NYPIRG and created the advocacy organization No OD New York, was murdered last night. I met Ryan many years ago through the DIY punk scene. I mean, is there anything other than a DIY punk scene? I mean, if you're punk rock, you're doing it yourself. I don't I don't I feel like that's an oxymoron Uh, that he has been a trusted friend in Albany and at home. I miss him. Uh, Democrat New York City Council member Sandy Nurse also offered her condolences, stating our team was devastated to hear of Ryan Carson's passing today. Ryan was a dedicated environmental advocate who worked tirelessly to protect our communities, just not from people with knives, and ecosystems from the climate crisis. I send my condolences to all of his family and loved ones who are grieving. And then New York City member Shai Ossie also paid tribute, saying, I'm horrified to learn of the brutal murder of advocate Ryan Carson in Brooklyn today. This tireless defender of his neighborhoods was stolen from us, committed to ending this senseless violence. My heart is with his family. Why aren't they calling for knives to be removed from the streets? Uh, senseless knife deaths. The New York Public Interest Research Group Fund is that NY Perg, where Carson was a key member. They also issued a statement. Freight Awakening says, is Scott Adams a suspect in either of the murders? They both screwed with him on Twitter. Glad I've left him alone. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? I got to say, Lisa will watch Scott Adams just to watch him go ham on people in the chat. And And I actually kind of enjoy it, too. It's pretty funny. <clears throat> pretty funny. 
Yeah. All of this death, all of this blood is on the hands of radical left Democrats. They're the ones who wanted to defund the police. They're the ones who wanted to end cash bail. They're the ones who wanted to put the criminals back on the streets. Every time you hear about an 11-year-old girl getting kidnapped and murdered with her head cut off by an illegal, it's the Democrats. Every time you hear about a liberal advocate in Philly getting shot seven times in the stomach and the chest, it's the Democrats. Every time you hear about a social justice warrior getting stabbed to death on a street corner in front of his girlfriend in New York City, it's the Democrats. So, with shock and profound sadness, NY Perg shares that our longtime campaign organizer, Ryan Thorson Carson, died tragically after a random street encounter near his home. You think that guy was on drugs? Or do you think that, you know, there was some gang activity? I, 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 I just gotta say, I hope... I hope he's here illegally because of how many illegals they pumped into New York. Anyways, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But in the past 24 hours, we've had a series of violent crimes against Democrats. Uh, And I can only say I am certain there are going to be more. There will undoubtedly be more acts of senseless violence. Oh, wait, look at this. What is this? Another random senseless act of violence. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. Here we have a Texas Democrat representative, Henry Kular, got carjacked at gunpoint by three black males outside his apartment in Washington, D.C. Wouldn't you know? Who, who could have seen this one coming, right, guys? <laughs> Texas Democrat Representative Henry Kular was carjacked at gunpoint outside his apartment building in Washington, D.C. This occurred on Monday night, and it's been confirmed by multiple sources, including including Kular himself. So three black men reportedly approached him. They were armed and they demanded his car. Uh, They succeeded in getting away with his white Honda CHR, which, of course, is registered in Texas. Uh, He is reportedly safe following the incident. I'm sure he wasn't going to try to fight three dudes with guns. Uh, uh, But we don't know if maybe he might have gotten roughed up a little bit. Uh, CNN reported uh, Representative Henry Kular was carjacked at gunpoint tonight outside his apartment building in D.C. Multiple sources confirm Kular is safe was just texted by a member about this. A Democrat member was carjacked at gunpoint by three to four people. A number of members live in this building. Uh, There was a neighborhood alert that was put out. uh, Armed carjacking investigation at the intersection of K Street and New Jersey Avenue Southeast. Taken was a white Honda CHR with Texas tags. Look out for three black males wearing all black clothing. Good luck. Good luck finding them. Oh, so (laughs) this is where it gets really funny because... Henry Kular, carjacked at gunpoint by a couple of hoodlums in Washington, D.C., he previously had voted for measures that would make it easier to, you guessed it, defund the police. He also supported the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, two things that more than likely made it more likely that he would be carjacked at gunpoint. I, I suppose that Representative Kular is just lucky Uh, to uh, have survived with his life. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. So good. This is so delicious. I love it. I love hearing about this stuff. Not because I revel particularly in the, uh, the, the misery of my fellow man, but 
you know, it's like you F around, you find out. Uh, This is what happens. You you make policy such as this that makes it easier for criminals to do criminal things. And likely at some point, you're going to be on the receiving end of those criminal actions. You see, the American people up until this point have faced the brunt of all of this criminal activity. Uh, You don't hear in San Francisco, although I'm just I'm kind of shocked that you haven't yet, about local politicians having their cars broken into or having their stores raided or having their homes get pooped in front of. Well, actually, Nancy Pelosi did have that guy poop in her driveway. (laughs) Oh, Coyote Patriot says, well, he effed and all those grainy video cameras in D.C. won't help him. Yeah, if uh, if the FBI couldn't find the 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 pipe bomber from January 6th, I highly doubt they're going to find three black dudes dressed all in black (laughs) running away into the night. Good luck. There's nothing identifiable about them. (laughs) Good luck, guys. Good luck. All right. So uh, he had previously reported voting. Uh, that for measures that would make it easier to potentially weaken police departments and and among them uh, was a vote that made it easier to defund police and then the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. Um, These three guys, uh, you know, they got away clean. They disappeared into the night. And uh, that's just what happens when you don't have adequate law enforcement on the streets to handle something like this. It's also what happens when you don't raise your kids right. It's also what happens when you don't educate people or bring them into society. You know, the people who are committing crimes are, I've said this before and people took issue with it, but they're victims of the system in that. The system that we have is supposed to raise you correctly to not want to engage in criminal activity. And largely that's because of the actions of Democrats. Now, Republicans are to blame as well. I think that they go hand in hand. This is a uniparty thing that's happening here across the United States. But if you don't have the support of a loving family, if you don't have the education of a quality school, if you don't have a church to give you a foundation in faith, if you don't have a neighborhood with uh, role models that you can look up to, you're probably going to grow up to be a criminal and end up carjacking people like Henry Kular. Now, uh, of course, I hope that he gets his car back. But it's probably in a chop shop right now having uh, all of the valuable parts cut off of it. Maybe they're going to put it on a shipping container and send it off to China or something like that. But he voted against an amendment to a spending bill that would have removed languages making it easier to defund police departments. Uh, According to the National Republican Congressional Committee, uh, he expressed reservations about voting for an $82.6 billion spending bill due to policy provisions that would make it easier to defund police departments. However, when he actually voted against it, he voted against an amendment that would have taken out that problematic language. As crime continues to rise across the country, Texas won't forget that Henry Kular voted to make it easier to defund police departments rather than keep them safe. That's coming from Robbie Starbuck. Mike Cernovich also said Henry Kular voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. This legislation is a comprehensive approach that will hold police accountable and racial profiling and empower our communities. I don't know if that's Mike Cernovich saying that (laughs) or if that's the actual uh uh hold on oh 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 (laughs) okay so that's actually from the press release that Henry Kular had put out 
So uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, it, it included provisions for ending racial and religious profiling, establishing a national police misconduct registry and requiring data collection, among other things. You know, I, I don't fundamentally disagree with those things. I think that police should not have qualified immunity uh, in certain circumstances. And, and, and there are a lot of bad cops out there, but there's a lot of good cops out there who get the brunt of the behavior of those bad cops, the ones who are actually criminals, who just wear a badge so that they can go ahead and break the law. Remember when they killed that dude? Uh, I think it was in Memphis. It was like five cops that also happened to be gang members. They like jumped a dude. They beat him to death. And, you know, and, and they're all facing charges. I'm glad about that one. Um so in a statement, Kular had to say about George Floyd's death, uh, I share our nation's shock and outrage over the death of George Floyd. They co-opted that man. All right. He died of a drug overdose. They pretended in the press like he, it was a racially motivated attack. If it was racially motivated, they would have brought up race once during any of the trials of those cops that were just standing around as he was dying from a drug overdose on the ground. The majority of our brave men and women in law enforcement do their jobs honorably and with integrity. However, bad practices by individual law enforcement officers create a significant danger, not only to our communities, but also cause mistrust between law enforcement departments and the people they serve. Well, they, they do. Okay, but you know what else is really a big problem on our streets today, Henry? It's all of that Chinese fentanyl that's coming in through our porous southern border. Uh, I think that the fentanyl-laced cocaine, heroin, MDMA, whatever it might be, the fentanyl that's killing people on American streets, that's one of the most dangerous things. And the easy way to stop that from coming through our border is to build the freaking wall, okay? Uh, so... Continuing with a little bit more information, uh, this was uh, uh, not at all surprising. Corinne Jean-Pierre blamed Republicans for the carjacking. I don't know how she could rationalize this, but we are going to listen to it. Now, this is for purely educational and entertainment purposes. Let's go ahead and listen. Member of Congress is not safe. Congress is not safe on the Wow, why isn't it working properly? So if President Biden's policies are helping bring crime down, would he be comfortable with somebody borrowing his Corvette and parking it on the street overnight in Southeast DC? I'm not gonna get into hypotheticals. I'm just gonna get into the facts about what this president has done in this presidency. One thing that somebody was asking me about bipartisanship, he was able, as it relates to guns, he was able to come together, right? We saw Democrats and Republicans come together and have the first piece of gun anti-gun violence uh, prevention legislation in 30 years. And that's something that this president was able to do. Oh, yeah. Jo Joe Biden's done so much to uh, push forward law and order in America. <laughs> Lisa says she has such gorgeous skin. Why does she have to be so insufferable? Yeah, it's true. A, a lot of despicable people have uh, uh, worthwhile characteristics that on their own are good. Oh, in another instance of. See, as you can see, the more you f around, the more you're going to find out. Well, Governor J.B. Pritzker is also finding out. We've heard about sanctuary cities before. Well, did you guys know that Illinois is a sanctuary state? 
In the instance of this sanctuary state, J.B. Pritzker is now actually going directly to the Biden regime asking for immediate federal intervention regarding the illegal alien invasion that the sanctuary state of Illinois is currently experiencing. Uh, He has penned a letter to Joe Biden urging him to take action on the migrant crisis. We'll call this the illegal alien invasion that's been overwhelming the state. Now, the irony here is palpable. For years, Illinois has been a self-proclaimed sanctuary for illegal immigrants. They've been calling this from the rooftops, letting them know, hey, Bring your weak, your tired, your huddled masses. As long as you're illegal, we welcome you. They have a number of different acts that have been passed. Uh, They have immigrant-friendly policies in Illinois. Uh, That includes the Immigrant Tenants Protection Act, which I think is probably something to do with you being illegal. You can't be uh, uh, kicked out of your apartment. Uh, And then also the Trust Act, which generally prohibits local law enforcement from participating in ICE raids. Now, Chicago is obviously one of the state's largest cities. They have a welcoming city ordinance that ensures that they will not inquire about someone's immigration status. They also cannot disclose that immigration status to authorities, and they cannot deny city services based on immigration status. So this is why we have so many illegals heading to Chicago right now. Now, the sanctuary status dates back to 1985, and it's been a point of pride for Illinois residents, Uh, not until Republican governors bust those illegals into their city. Now they are crying foul. Governor Pritzker is uh, working to put pressure on Biden, stating that the humanitarian crisis is overwhelming our ability to provide aid to the Refugee Foundation. Let's take a look at some numbers. According to the governor, over 15,000 asylum seekers have arrived in Illinois from the border in the past 13 months. That's nothing. That's nothing, Pritzker. Talk to your boy, Eric Adams. Uh, And the numbers are getting worse, obviously. They've been forced to dedicate over $330 million to provide humanitarian aid, uh, with the city of Chicago contributing an additional $100 million. This is exactly what you asked for, Pritzker. He's also asking for specific recommendations for federal action. Maybe he wants to work with ICE now. He urged the establishment of a single office in the White House led by an individual who reports directly to the president to oversee the nation's efforts at the border. Isn't that like what DHS is supposed to do? Border and and, and customs? Uh, According to Pritzker, the current system is plagued by a lack of coordination. Uh, It's also plagued by an increase in the cutting of the razor wire fences at the border by Border Patrol at the behest of people like Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, Obviously, it makes it difficult for the federal government and state governments to coordinate when you've got a a law on the books that says that you can't work with the federal agencies that are supposed to be taking care of the problems as it is. The, The answer is not additional bureaucracy. The answer is to make the one you already have function properly. You have all of these different agencies siphoning up billions of dollars every single year. Not a one of them is doing their job. None of them are working together because they've been directed to not work together. They've been directed to just stand down, boys. Stand down. Let them through. Let the illegals come through. Anyways, this is richly ironic 
We've got illegal aliens that have been heading to Illinois for years. They have been touting it as a badge of honor. Now, when they are finally suffering the consequences of their own actions, effing around and finding out, they suddenly want the help of the government. Bring that big old ta-ta of, of Lady Liberty to us and allow us to suckle at her breast. Well, you're also feeling it in the city of Chicago. We have a Democrat alderman uh, who is complaining uh, about the state of the city. Once again, finding out exactly what happens when you engage in these type of uh, of activities. Democrat Alderman Raymond Lopez of Chicago uh, has declared he's had enough of what's happening in his city. Every day, more and more disturbing incidents are making the city unsafe for Chicagoans. I would say it's been unsafe for Chicagoans for a very long time. Uh, you've got the brutal robbery and attack of a man in broad daylight in Bucktown last week. Bucktown is the, the gay area, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, that, I'm sorry, that's Boys Town. Boys Town. Bucktown is like the, the Brooklyn of Chicago. That's where the hipsters are. Mm. Okay. Um, and uh, in September... We had three thugs repeatedly beat a helpless man with a metal object. Now he's paralyzed. He can't even walk. Back in the spring, we had the roaming hordes of violent teenagers terrorizing the city. Remember uh, the mayor, the communist mayor of Chicago said, oh, you know, don't pass judgment on them too soon. These, these were common street thugs. They were beating people up. They were playing the knockout game. They were uh, smashing people's windows. They were robbing, raping, pillaging, stealing. They fired off guns. There was a violent criminal spree that took place. And Brandon Johnson, the radical socialist mayor, since he took office in the first 30 days, crime rose by 38%. Why? Because he put them on notice. He let them know that this was now the way things were going to be done in Chicago. They were going to be defunding the police. They were going to be not charging people for criminal actions. They were going to be putting you back on the street if you got caught doing something wrong. In his first 100 days in office, there were 204 homicides. Chicago is a war zone. I would not set foot in Chicago if you paid me. It's so bad in Chicago, that this Democrat, this blue-blooded Democrat, is speaking out on Fox News, suggesting that the city's failure to respond has left innocent people being hunted down like prey. Once again, the average citizens of these various cities across America, they have been hunted like prey for years at this point. The only reason we've got politicians that are now finally speaking up is because they're also the victims of that same criminal action. Things like robbery, burglary, arson, assault, even threatening elected officials like myself. You see that? He has now been threatened directly. His life is in danger. So now it's time to do something. Now it's time to actually start enforcing the law. They do not warrant you being held on bond anymore in the state of Illinois. All of those things... You don't have to be held in jail if you commit those actions. You can rob a liquor store. You can set it on fire. You can beat the clerk behind the counter to a pulp, and then you can call the governor's office and threaten to do the same thing to him, and you will not be held in jail. Chicago, Illinois, it's a bad look, my friends. 
These criminals have become emboldened. And the deafening cry is not heard by the politicians demanding change. Which politicians are demanding change? Pray tell. Obviously, you're out there saying something. But it's the politicians, it's the politicians who allowed things to get to the point that they are right now. And the public is apparently refusing to participate because they know that their lives are at risk. Lopez told Fox News that socialists or ultra progressives uh, are the ones who are engaging in tone deaf leadership. Uh, Lisa says, so what happens now with the speaker? Will they be voting again? Oh, yeah, that's the only thing they're going to do. They're going to vote over and over and over again in the same way they did before until they get somebody else. And I would I would guess they're probably going to start tomorrow. First thing tomorrow. Uh, And I guarantee you, I I can't wait to see who the the, uh, Republicans are going to. Uh, put forward. I hope it's Matt Gates. To be perfectly honest with you, if it's Matt Gates, that that would be so awesome. If it was Donald Trump, that would be even cooler. My mom wants to ask, why did Jim Jordan vote for Kevin? Well, I think uh, at the end of the day, Jim Jordan thought that Kevin McCarthy was the safe bet, and uh, you know. He, He's not like 100% America first at the end of the day. Coyote Patriot says, uh, maybe we will see the era of everyone gets a trophy and nobody loses. When people see the rampant crime, maybe we will see the end of the era uh, where people see the rampant crime with no punishment continues. Yes. Yeah. Jim Jordan didn't want to be house treasurer. Mm. Yeah. It's too bad that Jim Jordan did not uh, did not do what we wanted him to do, but you know, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps he was playing politics just like everybody else. All right, you guys, um, we are basically at the end of the show, but I thought this was hilarious. Representative Al Green, Democrat from Texas, he's a black man. Uh, he is uh, up in arms about the Russell Senate office building. He wants to uh, rename the Russell Senate office building because it was named after a uh, Democrat segregationist. Uh, so I say keep the name Russell on that office building because then people can ask the question, well, who was Russell? Well, Russell was a Democrat. Russell was a Democrat who wanted to keep the country segregated. Uh, I think that we need to remind the Democrats of where they came from uh, and uh, exactly who they are. All right. So finally, we also have this uh, electric vehicle, electric battery factory in Kansas The irony is that it is using so much energy that the state is going to have to keep a coal-fired power plant online just to keep them in business. And finally, the Democrats fear the term Bidenomics is backfiring. Oh, my God. Of course it's backfiring because Joe Biden and his economic plans have done nothing for the people of this nation. Bidenomics is probably one of the best things to happen to the American people, because now they see how duplicitous, how underhanded and how frankly stupid political leadership is here in America at this time. Let me do my final thank yous for our friends over here at Pilled.net. Thank you to Nikki the Greek. Uh, who says, uh, dropped a cookie. Filter Dog one says, Rumble is not your friend, Zach. Well, Rumble is just one uh, vehicle of uh, a number of vehicles. And uh, thank you, Filter Dog. Porpoiseful dropped a cookie. Redeemed Patriot says, Trumpers Tuesday. Amen to that. 
Dylan154 dropped a cookie. Filter Dog says, I was surprised to see some of the no votes. We had 11, yes. I, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see them as well. Uh, you know, when Kevin McCarthy was saying, oh, you know, the, that he only needed five, uh, especially based upon the debate that I heard on the floor, it seemed like all the Republicans were behind Kevin McCarthy. But once again, you F around, you're going to find out. And he did. Katie says that doc disappeared in the middle of talking to someone. That doc disappeared in the middle of talking to someone. I don't know what that's in reference to. But Katie says, uh, ignore my last can. Dropped into the wrong chat. Here's another because RP is the OG OG. Okay. Uh, Glad I figured that one out. Thank you. Uh, Duda Man says, thanks, Zach, for your hard work. Uh, We're usually just lurking. Much love, fam. And then Nakaza808 says, Friday night's show was fire. Saturday was, hmm, (laughs) need to look up what he was saying. Anyways, great show as always. Yeah, check out my baseless conspiracies from last night. I talked about it a little bit. Also talked about it yesterday on uh, Red Pill News. Um, Let me see. Uh, If you guys don't know, I am also a co-host on a number of programs on Badlands Media. uh, So make sure you're subscribed to them. I'm also a weekly contributor on Making Sense of the Madness, uh, which which, uh, I believe it comes out every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. You can find that on Amp News. They are also over on Rumble. I don't think they have a foxhole channel you do have a foxhole channel for badlands so make sure you're following on both rumble and on foxhole make sure you're also following on twitter uh and make sure you're following on truth i am everywhere at red pill 78 let me go ahead and pass out these gold pills to all of our dedicated friends over there on what is truly the only free speech platform that I think is in operation today, foxhole at pilled.net. Thank you very much, everybody, for being here. Hope to see you tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on another episode of Red Pill News. Until that time, good luck and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. You guys, Lisa, Lisa wanted me to talk about this um, aliens thing that I found. Uh, shoot. Hold on, you guys. I think maybe I'm going to have to do it tomorrow because it's it, it's already been an hour and a half. OK, uh, tomorrow, this is going to be the first thing I'm going to talk about. Recently, there was a uh, presentation at the Mexican Congress where they produced these you know, supposed alien bodies. I, I, I didn't really know if uh, if how legit it was. But I actually found some pretty compelling information that I will be bringing to you tomorrow first thing. And uh, at the very least, even if it's not aliens, I think that it uh, points to the possibility of uh, some information that uh, the human race doesn't have uh, and that we don't know everything about our time here on planet Earth. So tomorrow I am going to be talking about that first thing. Until the time, good luck. God bless. We'll see you then.